Well, you guys know what that means. Another week in the books, another Friday night. Here we are getting ready to do another podcast. Uh, There's a little difference this week. I am here at home by myself. Uh, Dave is unable to join us, who is normally here. However, I do have somebody on the phone, one of our longtime friends and host of the Ball Time podcast, our buddy Harry. How you doing? Thanks for having me. What's going on, bud? How are you today? Oh, doing pretty good. It was a lazy day today. Um, no work for a change. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm chilling. I've been looking forward to this all week, man. Too bad Dave couldn't make it, though. Yeah. Um, it's He's got some uh, something's going on. He uh, Maybe he'll be back next week and be able to tell us a little bit about it, his news. Um, so, But everything's good. Everything's real good. Uh, he was just unable to uh, make it tonight. So um, I figured it would be, it would, uh, instead of just canceling the podcast overall, I thought I would have Harry on and we can talk about a few things. He, you know, he, he's been on our podcast a couple times. We were on his and Harry's kind of a jack of all trades. He has his uh, foot in a little bit of everything. Um you know, whether it's landing airplanes or telling jokes or talking about football, um, he could do a little bit of a lot of things. And that's exactly what we want to talk about tonight. I thought it would be a good time that we could sit down and talk about kind of the creative process of comedy or just whatever and um, see where it goes. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Harry, wh- how long have you been doing stand up or how long did you do stand up? Um, I started in 2015, but really the idea of actually going on stage and doing something, I think it came up around about 2009. Actually, yeah, it was 2009, I'm pretty sure now. I was I was on vacation in Hawaii and um I was laying up at the ho- in the hotel room at night just looking at a stand up special. I'm like, "Huh. This actually looks kind of cool. I mean, I'm I'm like absolutely I have zero talents when it comes to music or anything else. Right. But um I've always enjoyed like watching stage uh, stagecraft. I've always admired admired people that can that do it and I thought, well, I mean, I like talking, I like presenting stuff and I like being funny. I mean, who doesn't like making friends laugh, you know? Exactly. So um yeah, I kind of I kind of thought you know, it, it can't be it can't be just luck. There has to be some kind of technique behind it. And there is. Um, and just to be able to go off and, and nerd off on the whole subject uh, was was really, really appealing to me. So I like I started I started reading about it. I started reading about how to write. I've always liked writing, writing essays, OK, um, like writing articles and stuff. And I put those on Facebook, like not really with the intent of getting famous or anything, just um, like wacky stuff that happens to me. I Actually, yeah, I do. Down. I do enjoy reading those. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, yeah. And um, I, I realized that, like, if I take a certain if I take a certain tone and a certain approach to it, then I get more feedback and people started asking me for more. So I thought maybe if I could just like do that live, I could have the, the experience of talking to other people while telling my stories and make other people laugh. So that's, that's really why I, why, why I started um, like reading about it and getting into it. 
Nope. And that's where all the hosting stuff started. That's also where the football hosting started, actually. Cool. Um, now it's funny because I know I know some other comedians back uh, stateside. Actually, there's quite a few of them in the Cleveland area that I know personally, um, and are, you know a couple of them are pretty big names now. Mm-hmm. Um, the funny thing is, is the one guy we were talking the one time, and somebody we were talking, somebody comes up in between us and is like, "Hey, man, don't you ever get nervous that you're gonna bomb?" He's like, "Eh, everybody bombs. It does. You know what I mean? That's why, like, if you're." If you're a big name and you're doing something like, um, you know, if you're in a certain city and you're doing like a Thursday through Sunday and you're doing like five shows in that city, you're going to bomb three of those. And (laughs) and he's like, it's it's life. You just got to know how to deal with it. And it's it's kind of funny because to me, I think like. I get a little nervous around people, but that's just because I have social anxiety. I, I'm awkward as fuck. I don't know how to, I don't know how to act around people. Um, so that you know, that's my problem. But I think like if I ever got up on stage and somebody, you know, the lights are blinding me, I'm cool. But I personally think like bombing to me might be like the funniest part about it. You know what I mean? Because it's like, because it's just so raw awkwardness and you're still up there (laughs) trying to do your job and it's just like you know what i mean like i think like to me i kind of i like i don't know if i'm funny enough to do stand-up but i know i have the charisma to do it i think i could get up on stage i can talk to people i love telling stories and it's you know i have a a certain cadence about things. And I think like once you do that, like once you develop like a cadence and you have a tone and you know how to set that and work all that together, that's pretty much all stand up is, is just that and working off the crowd. Exactly. It, exactly. Yeah. And like, like one, one is, sorry, no, go ahead. That's like the only, I just wanted to throw that in. That's the only art form that you can't practice alone in your, like in in pure solitude and then like hit the audience with a um with with something that's been crafted and made um all alone it takes the audience to really work yeah yeah definitely um i don't know um burt kreischer he just did his his last uh special came out and that was actually taped in cleveland ohio Mm-hmm. And I know a few people that uh, were there, like as uh, guests for him. They didn't open or perform or anything. They're just friends of his from my area, and I grew up with them. They're on a radio show, and Bert Kreischer was saying like it, he taped that special over three different shows. It was a Friday, a Saturday, and a Sunday show. And he said the thing that sucks, like the crowd, the one night was absolutely awesome, but he <laughs> bombed. Like you wouldn't believe, like it was just, he didn't like how he was doing it. His cadence was off. So he had to try to piece it together with like a really good, like with stuff from like that really good live crowd, uh-huh. but then cut pieces from other show, like the other shows that he did in order to get that special out. And like, to me, I think that's kind of interesting. And it kind of goes back to what I'm saying is cause like, okay, Burt Kreischer, that's one of the biggest names out there right now. And Absolutely. And if, if if you haven't already know if you like just just the hint to all the audience members listening today, I mean if you haven't already heard about Bird Kreischer, really Google his stuff. Um, listen to him on YouTube; he is hilarious. Oh my God, he is hilarious. Uh, one of his, you know, everybody likes the machine that he talks about. You know, when he was in Russia with with college, 
Um, yeah. It cracks me up. But then if you really look at it, you know the movie Van Wilder with Ryan, Ryan Reynolds? Uh, no. You don't? No, matter of fact, I okay. don't. Okay. Um, well, you know who Ryan Reynolds is, right? Of course. Okay. Deadpool. Yes. He, it was like one of his first movies that got him like kind of big. He was in college, but he was in college for like seven or eight years and he was just a party planner. And that's all he did was just throw crazy parties and just drink like crazy. That movie was literally written about Burt Kreischer. It, it is. And he even talked like they, he was, you know, he was ba- that he was the basis of that movie. And it kind of makes sense. <laughs> Cause then he start you start listening to his other stories and it's hilarious. One of his f- funniest jokes that it makes me, I can't listen to it around people because I have it on my phone on under iTunes, and I can't uh-huh. listen to it around other people because I literally cry and can't breathe because I laugh so hard. <laughs> it's about him and his friends going to Disney uh, Disney World in Orlando, Florida, and taking acid, and it is just the. F- <laughs> funniest thing in the world because <laughs> like when he does it like you know there's a lot of com uh, a lot of comedians out there when they're up there they're doing their thing and it's like yeah you're really funny but it's all bullshit you didn't really do this and as he's telling yeah. it, you're like this guy fucking did this <laughs> it is nuts <laughs> so um yeah Go ahead. It goes a lot into what you what you said in the beginning that um, you're not afraid to bomb, and that's like a very important asset because a lot of a lot of comedy is just like somebody who is like just like watching somebody fail or watching somebody struggle um, at something that's not like really life threatening, mm-hmm. you know. So it's like allowing somebody to laugh at you, allowing somebody to laugh at your pain because it's like. It's like a roller coaster ride, you know. You know it's scary in that moment, but you know you're not going to die from it. And that's what like gets other people. That gives other people the permission to to laugh at you because everybody's been in pain. Everybody's failed miserably at something. Oh God, and, yeah, yeah. It's and, part and of to life. A comedian, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, to a to a comedian, that's like really. Um, they they give. Also, they give you the permit uh, the the permission to laugh at your own failure because hey look, I came through that, you know, I made a complete fool out of myself and right. here I am breathing, <laughs> you know, having fun. Um, and, uh, so yeah, that's, that's really what comedy does. Right. And, and see, and that's another thing why I think bombing is also good because it helps you. So like if you can write jokes really good, um, you might not know how you, your cadence might be off a little bit, but the more you bomb, the more you can refine your set. And you can get everything down and you can really, you know, it can work like a metronome, how it does in music, you know, just a tick, tick, mm-hmm. tick, tick. And you just stay on beat. And I, a lot of it adds to that. You know what I mean? You could tell the funniest joke in the world, but if you miss a beat, it's, it's not good. So, um, yeah. Now, yeah, but I think I think there's a there's a difference. Sorry, um, I think there's a difference between like not hitting on a joke and like literally bombing. I mean, I think you have to like. Um, like oh no, I totally agree. However, if um, but if your cadence is off though, it's going to add to your bombing. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There's no if ands buts. That's what I mean about it. Like you could tell the funniest joke in the world, but if you're not hitting right and you don't have the right crowd. You're just you. You're talking to a wall, 
you know? Yes. And then you'll just be like, well, <laughs> cool. And then you turn like a 25 minute set and you're done in eight minutes. You're like, well, that sucked. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's yeah. That, that only happened to me once. <laughs> really? Um, yeah. Yeah. It happened to me once. I had a, a seven minute slot and I was done in three and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Because I did the wrong. That's how I, how I know that I'm not an experienced comedian. You know, I did the wrongest possible thing. I just kind of then when I realized that I wasn't getting the people, I thought, okay, let me just rush through it and end this ordeal for all of us involved, um, <laughs> and uh, like see if I can if I can get out. If I would have just stayed in that situation a little more, I might have been able to get some some situational comedy out of the whole thing. Right. And if I would have just like acknowledged that I'm that I'm really failing right now, I might have gotten a couple of laughs out of that. But, you know, I just I just kind of went with the uh, hopefully I'll be so irrelevant that people don't remember my name <laughs> <laughs> kind of ticket. And um, yeah, it, it worked for me. But ironically, it's not that that got me um, off stage, really, and, and out of performing comedy. It's the one time that I really killed. Um, OK, because I realized because uh, I, I realized that like the feeling that I got from killing and know that I won't be able to have that exact same feeling again. It's like the first time I really killed after doing three years, I think three years of comedy and everything clicked the way I wanted it to. Um, it's just that level of achievement that I said, okay, I think I'm done. It doesn't get any better. <laughs> okay. Um, now why, why do you say that you'll never reach out again? Because it's the first time that something really worked um, for me like that. So that scared me. I was, I was scared of going back on and having an experience that, that wasn't, that wasn't going to be that good. Okay. Now, um, see, the thing is, um, I don't know. I don't know if it's just because how I'm wired. Like I said, I don't know how I am, how I would be writing jokes. There are some jokes I've tried to write and they're, pretty good i just gotta work on the timing um Mm -hmm. i'm more situational Mm -hmm. and i think you know we're we're living life every single day there's something crazy if you pay attention to the little shit you can find something funny in everything um 100 even horrible things and i i know a lot of people disagree with me i'm telling you you can find some of the funniest things in the most awful situations oh yes but not everybody's wired like that not everybody has that kind of taste which i've found out (laughs) (laughs) absolutely you have to like i don't know what it's what it's like for you but i think if you like distance yourself from your own ego and you look at yourself like from the outside and just imagine if this were a movie this would be hilarious right (laughs) so um i think you really have to separate yourself from your ego and definitely like not take yourself serious anymore. Exactly. But if, you know, um, I've never, like I said, I've never done stand up. I've never gotten into comedy, but it's something that I've always been very fascinated with and something I've always kind of wanted to do. But I just, even though I'm not afraid, I think it would be funny to bomb, but at the same time, it, it, that's kind of a kick in the dick. You know what I mean? You want to go out there. You want to make people laugh. You don't want to just go out there and make yourself laugh because then it's not funny for anybody. And it's just like, oh, cool. Um, But at the same time, I think um, 
you know, going back to what you're saying, you don't think that you'd ever f- hit that again or be able to do that again. Now, I don't know how you live or how you do things. Like, I could be sitting at work. Somebody will say something. It could be the dumbest thing, but I'm just like, oh my god, that is the funniest thing I've ever heard. And like, you can kind of work with that and make it a little bit of a joke and kind of change it around and make everybody laugh. Um, and that's something I find myself doing a lot. Uh, that's why I think, um, there's, you know, if you really get deeper into it, like I I could imagine myself if I get really deeper into it and if I wanted to try to write jokes or, you know, uh, I don't know really write jokes, but kind of, you know, take like a mundane situation, try to make it funny. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think that's something I could possibly do. Um, but, and that brings us on to our kind of next topic, what me and you talked about earlier, um, the whole creative process of it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, how do you approach when you write? How, is there like a formula that you follow or how do you do this? Um, there's different things that I do. Uh, the things I write on Facebook really are just like rants. They're just like the way I would tell you, oh, this is what happened to me yesterday. Um, like that's the kind of voice that I try <clears throat> to that I try to emulate when I, when I write, mm-hmm. um, I want to, I want to keep it fresh. I want it to sound like somebody actually talking to you. And then I, I like play around with, uh, with the syntax. I, I use, um, like large fonts every now and then, you know, to emphasize when I'm yelling, I, I, I use all kinds of, um, like, um, like commas where they don't belong and that kind of stuff. Because I mean, it's, I, I write in German most of the time. Yeah. And, um, it's like, you can get a little bit of, you can get a little bit crazy because Germany has, or German has very strict uh, grammar. And if you play with that a little bit, you know, that makes it feel a little fresher, but the creative process when I write comedy is a lot different. Um, I carry a notebook with me like all the time. Okay. Um, I've, I've said a lot of times, even, even when I don't write comedy, I just like, like sometimes I go through, I go through a day and I'm like, okay, this is a situation that I'd really like to pause and just keep it. And I don't like forgetting stuff. So I just write it down. And um, sometimes when it's something funny, when it's a funny comeback, I write that down with whatever happened before. Mm-hmm. And um, then I think, okay, it might have been a little funnier or it could have been a little funnier if that person would have said that instead of that. And that's what I what I do. And then I, I kind of like write that down the way I think it's cool. And then I put it off. And um, every morning, I, I, I've literally literally been doing this for, for the last uh, three months, like when I got this idea to go back on stage. I write every morning. I, I get up early. Um, I write for 10 minutes. Um, that's why I know it's, it's, not, um, it's not an insurmountable amount of writing. And not, it's, it's, it's 10 minutes. You know, everybody has 10 minutes. Right. Um, you know, I just get down and I rant. Um, and for, for 10 minutes, I try not to, uh, take my hands off of the keyboard. Even if what I write is just, I don't know what to write. I don't know what to write. I don't know what to write. And then sometimes I just rant about not knowing what to write. And then some thought pops in my head and I just go off on that. It's like, you have to be completely non-judgmental. Um, and in addition to that, that's what I do to like, uh, organize my thoughts in general. I write three pages of longhand that takes about 
Uh, it takes about 30 minutes. Hmm. Um, like I wake up in the morning, I get my energy drink. Um, I, I mean, sometimes I have phases where I drink coffee. Sometimes, sometimes I have uh, phases where I drink um, diet energy drinks because I don't like, I don't want to drink anything warm, but I want that little caffeine buzz going. Um, and then I just, I just start writing. Um, and it's the same thing, but I don't try to be funny. I get, I usually do that first because it helps me organize my, organize my thoughts. And then after that, then I do my 10 minutes, the 10 minutes of comedy writing where I, where, when I realize that I'm stuck, um, I try to like write about what is hard about a certain subject. What is weird? What is stupid? What's scary? And then sometimes it's just like one or two sentences, but I realize, okay, there's, there's something I could do there. Um, so that I can, I can use that. And, um, so like when the time comes for me to put a set together and I don't know what to talk about, I just go into my morning writings and I'm like, okay, this is, huh, this is something that's, that's hard. That resonates with me. Um, and then I, then I apply a formula. After that, I, I apply a formula. Um, I try to put in an act out where I like take the situation, um, put it, it or put me in a situation where I speak to somebody. Dialogue. People like dialogue. Um, yeah. Because everybody knows the feeling of like being hit with a snappy comeback and not expecting it or like really hitting a comeback. We're like, wow, I, I, hit, I hit that one out of the park, man. That's, that's, that was a good comeback, you know. Too bad nobody recorded that. Now, the good thing when you're, when you're writing is um, you, you get always, to say, – say again? You always ha – you have a reference point. Yeah. Yeah, you have a reference, and you get to keep that. Um, and you get to, like, tweak it because nobody knows what really happened. No. <laughs> so you can <laughs> – like, you can – you have that one chance. You know that when, when somebody says something to you and you're like, oh, I wish I would have said that. No, no, no. Like five minutes later when you're walking off, like, right. I could have said that. That would have been a killer comeback. If you're writing comedy, you can do it. You get to do it. You know, um, you get to relive situations the way you feel they should have been. Um, and if you're like writing comedy, you get to relive situations and make them even more awkward if that's, if that's the way you want to go. So, um, yeah, that's, that's really the creative process for me. I like to write essays or little, um, little rants. And then when I think there's something that I could like, that I could write a joke of and I can reproduce the funny, that's, that's where, where it gets from um, just having fun to being the stagecraft aspect because you have to be able to reproduce it. Um, then I try to like, um, sift everything down to where I can find a little bit that I can reproduce. And then I try that out in front of audience. And when I get a laugh, I'm like, okay, that's, that's cool. I'm just going to keep that. And when it's just crickets, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to try it with <laughs> another timing or with another syntax, or I just put in a different act out or sometimes, um, lists of three. That's another great formula because, um, we're, we're so prime to um like listening to listing jokes that we expect a punchline yes the third thing yeah somebody lists and right? it's you know what and i i'm not the, that's not my kind of comedy my kind of comedy is like yes i like a good story and i like there to be a funny ending but i also like to you know what i mean like i kind of like the punchline to catch you out of nowhere um, yeah, but however, you, you said something that kind of meant that kind of, that I was laughing. I don't know if you heard that, uh, about a minute ago. Um, <laughs> have you ever been on stage and you told a joke and you're just like, well, that sucked <laughs> and just kind of yeah. said it out loud. 
Like, yes, I think yes. if I ever heard that, I would stand up and I would be like, yes, I would applaud the guy because <laughs> that to me, that's, that's, that's funny. Um, now, yeah. and that's, that's something very, uh, something very specific about stand-up that you don't get in a poetry slam and you don't get that with a musician. Mm -mm. It's like that little moment of authenticity where you and this person are like completely in sync. It's, it's like a calling the moment kind of thing. Like, you know, you just fucked up. Everybody else knows you just fucked up. So might as well like name the elephant in the room. Yeah. Yeah. That just totally sucked. (laughs) See, you just talked about musicians or poetry slams. Um, Here's one thing that I actually I like that you said that because the one thing with comedy is you're you're up there it's the most intimate job in the world because mm-hmm. you are there by yourself you don't have other musicians to fall back on you don't have anybody else like hitting the bongos or whatever to set your pace to your poetry um, with a comedian it is literally just you and a microphone you set the pace you set the tone you set the mood of the room um mm-hmm. and that's one thing that's always i've i find it so fascinating and um you know i i really love how you talk about how you do your creative processing it makes a lot of sense because you get up and you just you try to do those three pages of long of longhand What's beautiful mm-hmm. about that is if you're not trying to find, you're not trying to be funny or whatever. However, you you're kicking your brain into overdrive. You're moving. You're you know all the parts are moving when you sit down to do your ten minutes at that point. And yeah. I think that is awesome. That's actually really, really, really smart. Um, one of the, I mean, everybody knows Dave Chappelle, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, Brilliant. Do you know how he does his comedy? I don't know how Dave Chappelle does his comedy. It is um, the funniest shit in the world. <laughs> it what? is. Did, did you do you know about his creative process? Yes, I do. Okay. What he does is he how has is... he has like a bowl and it's just of punchlines. That's all it is. It's just punchlines. So he just puts his hand in there, he pulls it out, and it's just the punchline. And then he starts from there, and it's like that's kind of back. Like that's why I think that's why his jokes crush, because he, you know what I mean. He has to develop a whole story behind it, and to with real life experiences, and it's it's just crazy. There's this one special I forget which special it is, but he actually talks about his creative process, and it had me dying. I think I know that joke. Um, it's like where he says that he's about to abandon stand-up comedy because he's become too good at it. Um, no, like he can. No. This was—I don't know if it was a stand-up or an interview, but like it was a serious thing. And he went on for like a good ten minutes, and he talked about his whole creative process. He goes, "Man, he's like, all these comics out here would kill me if they knew how I did it." He's like, "I have a bowl. I'll smoke some weed. I pull out a punchline, and I go from there." And it's like. Wait a minute, the punchline is the end of the joke. And he's like, I know. <laughs> and it's like, oh, cool. <laughs> but he makes it work. Like, he's some of his stand ups, man. Oh, I love them. I love yeah. all of them. What, what, I, what I love about Chappelle is that he's not only just like blatantly funny, he's also very insightful. He's like one of the smartest people on the planet. He really, really is. Um, there was a thing, he just got the Mark Twain Award. 
uh, mm-hmm. this year. And I watched that special. If you watch it, it's it's pretty good. There's a lot of other comedians and stuff like that. Uh, Neil Brennan, which is one of his really good friends. It's a white guy. Um, they wrote um, Half-Baked mm-hmm. together and a Chappelle Show. And, you know, they work off each other. And they're, if you wa- if you get a chance, go on to Netflix and watch his stand-up. It's really funny. The guy's Neil Brennan, funny dude. Um, and uh, they really work really well together. And if you watch this special on Netflix where Dave Chappelle got the award, the Mark Twain Award, um, there's an actual part where he talks about, you know, growing up. Because he, he grew up in... Um, Ohio. They lived, mm-hmm. it's kind of like a hippie community. Um, but then he went to a school of special arts in um, Washington, D.C., in a pretty bad area. And mm-hmm. um, he was always scared of stuff, cried a lot. And there's one thing that he says that his mom, his mom always used to tell him, and I swear to God, Harry, it changed me. Because he said, sometimes you need to be a lion so you can be the lamb that you really are. Oh, that's a good one. And it was like, fuck. Like, it blew my mind. Like, that is... You're talking to, like, one of the funniest people of our generation and -hmm. just came out like, that's not even a joke or anything. That was some of the deepest, most intimate, intellectual statement I've ever heard in my life. Like, that was, like... That was Gandhi kind of stuff, in my in my opinion. You know what I mean? Like it, I was like, "Wow, yeah." It blew me away, and that's yeah. I'm and sorry. That also goes to show. Oh no, I just I just wanted to just wanted to add to it. That also goes uh, to show um, how comedians think, because a lot of comedians have very deep and insightful. Um, insightful quotes because you're used to thinking in associations like when you're writing a joke like um, a lot of it is like setting it up setting it up putting a picture in somebody else's head so Hmm. you use a lot of you use a lot of metaphors yeah and some of the most insightful things that are said are just like really really good metaphors and as a comedian if you're writing jokes then you're used to thinking metaphorically. Right. So that's what, yeah. So that's why a lot of these guys have, have things or have, have quotes out there where you're like, geez, that's, that's for the ages right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's some of the stuff, like if you actually, um, you hear how he talks and stuff like that, like, yeah, he's outlandish as fuck. He lives a crazy life, but he's very, very, very insightful. And mm-hmm. like you said, he's a very smart person. He really is. He, the dude's a genius. How he he has perfected um, this his craft. You know what yeah. I mean? He's probably one of the very few comedians. Like um, I'd also say another one. Robin Williams was another one. That guy. Oh yeah, was perfect. Well, I think he was. He was perfect. But also, I think. Um, in today's stand-up culture, I don't think he would get that much um, recognition and appreciation as a stand-up comic, right? Um, as he got like in the eighties back right. when he was yeah, big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the thing about Robin Williams is, um, it's it's really a, p- a part of what 
I think makes a successful stand-up comedian today. Like he goes on his specials are like basically him ranting and being like off the wall with yeah with his uh, different characters and everything like that. Right, right, and going to different act outs and switching them. Um, and I think for for the most people, it would be too hectic. Hmm. Yeah, because there's a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah. And and you really have to you really have to follow this guy. You really have to like be in it with him. And today with the zapping mentality and everything, I think um like look at your even if you watch a Netflix special and it's really, really good, um, you check your phone if you get a WhatsApp or you, you like you go out and get a drink and come back, yeah. you know, and, and you're still and, and you still kind of know where where the whole thing was going. And you still get a good payoff. You still get a good laugh. Now, if you try to watch a Robbie, Robbie, uh, Robin Williams special and you leave the room and you check your phone, you're lost. You're like, oh, that, yeah, that's you're, it. You're, you, the next that's five something minutes, you have to pause. Right, right. And um, so, yeah, so basically it's, it's really a good, um, a good example of a part in the creative process. But putting that on stage, um, I don't think it will work that much today. Okay. That's a good point. Now – as far as you personally, um, who kind of influenced you, you know, cause over here, you know, you're half American and half German. Mm-hmm. You've lived as far as I know, you've lived majority of your life here in Germany, correct? Yes. Okay. Um, there's not a whole lot of, I mean, yeah, there are quite a few German comics, but they're not big names. You know what I mean? No. Um, no. And- were you always did you always follow the um the american comics or is there a whole different german comic scene that we don't know about there is and it's really independent um i would go as far as to say the german comics or the german comedians that fill arenas number one to me aren't stand-up comedians they're like great one person show guys okay and girls and girls but um they're like not classical or not not the kind of stand-up comedians that i want to see because i want to see a guy who has who shows me um what he thinks about certain things and not just like um recites a great story that he wrote sometime Mm -hmm. um like with a with a good stand-up comedian you like when he performs you can still kind of see the process that that goes on and german comedians or german comedy audiences or german audiences in general are used to getting a a ready ready to eat so to speak a ready to be enjoyed um product okay and stand-up isn't isn't that at all um so my influences of course are a lot of american comedians um most notably louis ck Oh, I love um, Louis C.K. He's great. He t- he's great, and he is so good in like saying the most horrible things and making you <laughs> he laugh really at is. them. That and he's also he's very intelligent, and you get yes. that when you hear his stand up. He's not he's not talking at you. But he's telling you something, and you should listen. Yes. And it's it's something that you can walk away with quite a few laughs, but you also learn something at the end of one of his shows. He is great. He is really good. Yes. Um, you and know who? Also, he, and also, he, oh, go ahead. Go no, ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. And and also, he's very good at um, telling you that you're actually kind of fucked up for laughing at this. Right now. <laughs> yeah. 
So that's that's really what I what I like about him. But you were about to say something. Sorry. Yes, I was going to say. You know who he kind of, he's like um, the George Carlin of our generation because George Carlin yes. is like that. George Carlin, in my in my opinion, he is. I, him, Richard Pryor, like those two, like they're pretty much at the, you know, they're at the top of the comedy yes. pyramid. Um, but George Carlin, man, he could tell you a story that is just absolute fact, but still like how he presented, like he was a pres, he was a presenter. His mm -hmm. comedy was amazing because he would he was telling stories, he was telling jokes, but he was also telling you something that you could walk away and was like, you know what? That kind of opened up my eyes to the subject. Um, yes, and that's how he was, and that's how Louis C.K. How he his the tone that he sets is very much like that, and yeah, that's what I like about him. Yeah, that's good. And they're all, and they're also both very very courageous people because. Um, what really sets them apart, and I think Chappelle is in um, is in the same league. I'd also like to include Chris Rock into that. Is um, like this whole feeling of who who are you to tell me that I cannot say that? Um, oh yeah, yeah. Because like back back in Carlin's um, in Carlin's age, like for some of the things that he said, um, he could have gone to jail. Yep. And I think he actually went to jail at yep. one point in time for 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 violating um, I don't know decency stands whatever i don't know i don't know the proper name for it but yeah indecency. Um, he said some yeah he said some stuff that was like outright illegal to say and he just did it and it's like he he proved that hey I, if you if you just say that nobody's gonna nobody's gonna die nobody's gonna get hurt right um and i kind of miss not having him around now um in nowadays cancel culture where even as a comedian you have to be oh. very very careful about what you say and and not to piss off Fuck um, yeah like certain certain people or or certain groups whereas as a comedian you get paid you pay these people to say the most outrageous stuff that you can't say and they, they don't say it because it's like their real opinion they say it because they think it's funny and yeah it is and if you like not take yourself serious and not take the situation or or the topic serious then you enjoy it but nowadays like people are everybody's trying to trying to make a stand everybody's trying to stand for something and, exactly it's this whole and, culture that we live in is gross yeah, but like, but but bringing bringing back to you and your creative process, you said that um, you you have a lot of jokes in in your mind. I know that you have a lot of a lot of interesting opinions, and you make me you make me laugh so often. Like um, like you, you and Dave, when you guys just like go back and forth, um, that's like one of the reasons that I'm one of the biggest fans I think of your of your podcast. <laughs> um, do you ever write your stuff down or try to keep it? No, uh, there's been, in all honesty, there's like a couple jokes. I was actually looking at them this morning. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I was, I looked at them and a couple of them are, you know, they, they made me laugh, um, which is good. Um, but usually I don't. I'm one of those things, like I said, I think I'm more situational. Uh, I'm like mm -hmm. a Lisa Lampanelli. Just give me a microphone and just let me trash people for an hour, and I will. <laughs> I'll tear the roof off. And but Lisa Lampanelli is. Um, I don't know if you know this, but she writes a lot. A oh, lot I know her, she does. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, 
but the thing is like, that's my thing. Like I, 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 I do have a little bit of a creative process. I, well, not really a creative process. I'm very creative. I have a wild imagination that I know. Mm -hmm. Um, I just have to figure out how to refine it and make it a little funnier. Um, there's this one group that I'm in (laughs) and like, this is going to sound dumb to you, but like to me and everybody else in there, like it's, we cried. I had to explain myself to my kids, like why I'm literally hunched over in tears, laughing my ass off. Somebody posted a picture of their dog and the dog, like they're in there smiling and the dog looks scared as fuck. So <laughs> I just, I looked at it and like, literally as he posted, I'm like, dude, that dog looks like it's just been fingered. <laughs> Everybody died, you know, then a couple yeah. of th- like, and that's just how I am. Like, I see stuff. Like, it just, it's quick. You know what I mean? I'm very quick with that kind of stuff. My wit is very quick. So, Dude, then do me a favor. Do me a favor. Um, there's a, a show that a friend of mine runs. His name is uh, Tom Carpenter. He's in Frankfurt. And mm-hmm. um, it's a Zoom show. It's called Comedian's Point of View. Okay. Um, I'll try to get you on that show. Because what he does is he shows slides. Okay. And then a lot of comedians get together and just riff on that slide. Cool. And um, sometimes it's it's crickets, and I'm not that good at it. That's why I like to participate in the show to just like like sharpen that skill a little bit. But yeah. if that's your if that's your shtick, then then I'll, I'll try to get you try to get you on that show. Man, That'd be that, awesome. That sounds like it's like perfect for you, right? But like as I was saying, like I did that. Like I just I posted that thing, and then a couple mm-hmm. days later, uh, somebody was like. Uh, we were just, you know, something about my dog did something stupid and somebody's like, oh, you know, I'm just sitting here watching my dog lick his balls. I'm like, do not finger it. And everybody was like, ah, ha, ha, ha. You know what I mean? That's just, that's just the kind of stuff that I do. Um, and it's funny cause like, I don't think I'm that funny. I'm just, it's, it's dumb humor. (laughs) That's what I think I do, but I think it could be. Sometimes that's what some people need. You know what I mean? There's a niche for everybody. You just got to find it. Um, And it goes back to the kind of culture that we have now. Like the comics of George Carlin. They wouldn't do, Mm -hmm. they would bomb every single night nowadays because there's no intellectual people. Harry, if you really think about it, you put yourself in a room with 20 people and look around and see how people act, how they... Um, their entire demeanor, how they carry themselves, or, you know, you could be in a meeting and somebody says something, they're all like, well, you know, this is what, you know, and that's what they do. They always find, they're just negative. And everybody here, we're in a culture now where they believe that everything needs to be handed to them directly placed in their hand. And we're doing it to our kids and our kids aren't learning anything. And it drives me crazy because yeah, and also- I, we were, um, this happened, God, I want to say it was like maybe six years ago. We were back. We went to go, uh, back to the States to visit my family and my, my nephew is an amazing athlete. He's, um, 12, I think right now, mm-hmm. uh, they're trying to decide now what, what they want to move him towards, uh, baseball or American football because he's a quarterback and they had to move him up into pop Warner into a higher age bracket than what he really is because he just dominates. 
Hmm. Absolutely wow. dominates. Um, oh, that's he, awesome. He's a pitcher for baseball. Um, he played for a couple weeks with one team, and they said, nope, you're not allowed in this league. And they moved huh. him up where he's you know, 11, 12 years old, and he's playing against 14, 15-year-olds and just Damn. mowing them down. Is he tall? Uh, not well. He's he's gonna be. He's getting there. Oh, so, so he has that like lanky build. Yeah, but the, yeah, he's just he play. has an arm. He he's playing football. Yeah, his arm is ridiculous, and I tell him all the time. I'm like, dude, look at Tom Brady. He's playing that. He goes, yeah, but look at um, you know, CC Sabathia when he signed a uh, 173 million dollar contract with the Yankees for six years. I'm just like. Yeah, that's pretty nuts too. <laughs> you know, he's like, and I don't have to get hit. It's like, yeah, that's true. But then Good he's point. like, but I love to, he's like, there's nothing like, you know, Brett Favre in it, just throwing it into triple coverage, threading the needle. I'm just like, kid, you gotta stick with football. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially if he's from Cleveland because you guys have a need for quarterbacks. Right. Yes. <laughs> but. <laughs> If you look, Ohio does produce quite a bit of players. Well, they do. They do. Um, yeah, a lot of Big Ten teams um, produce good quarterbacks, but that's like a whole different tang- tangent. We wanted to talk about comedy. No, 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 no. I don't want to nerd <laughs> off. Um, shit, I kind of forgot what we were talking about. This drink's got me good. <laughs> what are you drinking? Uh, I just had uh, my third or fourth Paulaner, but... I have a huge glass with probably uh, maybe three, four shots of this moonshine that I make with, you know, Bizzle? Mm, uh, yeah, yeah. They only have it in Hessen, I think. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, They're summertime. Flavor. It's like a lemon. So it's almost like a carbonated lemonade. And I do this with this mandarin flavored moonshine that we make and i mix it together and it is dangerous because <laughs> you'll just be sitting there drinking it and then fuck where am i <laughs> <laughs> fuck, where am i i'm going blind yeah no you just kind of black out and just go with the flow <laughs> the other night like yeah um, sounds like fun yeah a few a few weeks ago we were in my garden house doing the podcast uh dave left i went upstairs to uh do the converting and um, upload it, and I did that in our dressing room. I woke up in my bed. I had no freaking. Cl- I don't. I I remember sitting there and hitting the button to convert it, and that was it. And then I woke up and I'm like, "Whoa!" And everything's put away. So I asked my wife. I'm like, "Hey, did you help me last night?" She's like, "No." I'm like, "That's weird." <laughs> yeah. So, so that moonshine hit your button. Oh yeah, it does. It's good stuff. So, <laughs> um, I think that might happen again tonight. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, whatever. We have a three day weekend. Hashtag trust the process. Yes. <laughs> oh, actually. That's what we were talking about. We were talking about the kind of culture and everything that we live in today, how everything needs to be, uh, handed to you. Um, mm-hmm. what I was saying is yes, my nephew, he's an amazing athlete. We went to visit a few, um, I don't know, six years back or whatever. And he was playing baseball in that age. It should have been T-ball, but he was playing what's called coach pitch where the coach pitches the ball. They don't have a T anymore and they're actually hitting the ball. 
mm-hmm. he was on a very bad team. And I think I was there when it was like the last game of the season or whatever, and everybody got trophies. I'm like, oh, that's awesome, man. You got a trophy. You guys did great. That's cool. He goes, no, we were in last place. I'm like, why the fuck did you get a trophy then? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everybody gets a trophy. And I was like, that's dumb. They're ruining your life. He's like, why is that? I'm like, you need to learn how to be able it's like, it sucks losing, right? He goes, yeah. I'm like, how would you feel if you see another kid get a trophy and you walk away empty handed? How would you feel? I'd want that trophy. Yeah. So what are you going to do? You're going to work harder. You're going to push yourself next year to try and get that trophy. But if you just give it to them, they're not learning any kind of lesson. They're just like, nah, we can fuck off and do whatever we want because we're still going to be rewarded for it in the end. And I think that is, that's the kind of culture that we live in today. And it is awful. Yeah. It kind of breeds um, a sense of entitlement um with uh with young kids and young adults um yes i i I totally agree with you um like i'm an air traffic control coach as well and um i can i can really tell the difference in generations like people that come up now are used to um you preparing things that you want them to learn or you want them to know and then spoon spoon feed it to them and like they think you as a coach. <laughs> Did you just say splooge feed them? <laughs> <laughs> you always hear what you want to hear. No, I don't I do. feed people at work. Well, that sucked. That's <laughs> a new problem. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, sometimes I'd like to splooge feed people at work and it would get me ahead. But uh, <laughs> no. No. But like, I think as a, as a trainee, you should you should be like spoon fed every now and then right which also takes a certain mindset which is that you don't have a sense of entitlement when you start air traffic control training or any other training exactly Um, and and like just like people like like trainees come up and they think they can spoon feed their coach because they got that stupid participation trophy yes (laughs) right no but um i think the problem the problem is that we're overcorrecting um because what people thought before is that we have a culture of like very cultivated narcissism that produces people like donald trump you know they just want to like keep their like prevent schools and families from being a monster factory because we hear about like so many we're starting to hear thanks to social media so many um, backstories behind successful people and that success in business and success in sports sometimes goes hand in hand with people being very unhappy on a personal level. And I think yes. um, what we're what we're trying to do, and I think we're overcorrecting it, is we're trying to give people a certain balance and a certain appreciation of life itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we're kind of losing our we're kind of we're kind of losing our our fight we're kind of losing our our inner lion yeah um and and that's the thing we're we've basically taken away all life lessons for this germ for this generation my kids will never know the kind of life that me and my wife had to live you know mm-hmm. she comes from a village where they didn't have bathrooms at home oh no 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 you had communal bathrooms Mm. and showers it was separated from men and women but that's what it was for their village in kazakhstan 
um, in the old, uh, you know, the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. They don't know. My kids don't know how poor I was growing up or what it was like in, you know, back home. Here they live. Also- you know, they're living the house that we. Uh, they they live in the life that I provided for them, and I try to show that I try to make them earn things. But I'm always the asshole in the end. And it's like, no, no, no. And this is something that me and my wife fight about the most. Is like, they need to learn what life is really like. Yes, but also, um, what life lessons do you learn from not having, um, not having a bathroom in the house? And is it really something, it, are, are the lessons that um, no. you obtain from that really lessons that you should need? I mean... Yeah, because you push yourself to you push yourself to want to have better things than you had when you were a child, right? But also growing up, um, and and being a parent is also about like improving the life for your kids and, right. and not yes, not putting them through the same strife that you had because, exactly. You know, so it's it's I think it's hard to find the no, middle ground. See, there. I agree. 100% with that. However, what I disagree is that <clears throat> I can work nine hours at work. I come home and then I have to work until nine, 10 o'clock at night on stuff at the house or cleaning up after their mess. And it's like, no, no, no. You guys aren't going to school right now. You're doing your school stuff here at home for a couple hours a day and you're trashing my house. <clears throat> you need to understand how life really works. You earn things. You have mm-hmm. to work for things. Uh, you know, that's why I'm kind of, I I agree with an allowance for a child. Mm-hmm. However, they have to earn it. You know, you can't just be like, no, that's I'm going to give you 10 euros a week. No, you're going to be doing shit. You're going to, okay, you want 20 euros this week? Go clean both bathrooms every other day. Go vacuum the entire house. Go mm-hmm. clean out the rabbit cage, pick up all the dog poop outside, do something that's going to make my life a little easier. Then I'll make your life a little easier. And I think that's how mm-hmm. it works. That, you know, that's one thing that people have forgotten is that one hand washes the other. And that is usually the yeah. hand of somebody else. Yeah. And also contributing to, to a society because I think exactly. the life lesson that you can always, you can always, uh, like, I think. Um, and still install that in, in your kids, unless they're like, um, I don't know. I, I don't know. How, how old are your kids? Um, 13 and nine. Huh? Oh, well it, it might be hard. But <laughs> <laughs> oh dude, I, it's long gone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. But, um, what, what I, what I like and what I really respect about, um, my girlfriend is she has a six year old daughter Okay. and, um, she teaches her like little things she can do, like chores, um, like putting, um, like putting stuff in the dishwasher, taking stuff out of the dishwasher. She said, she says, I know that she's six and I know that I lose time if I like coach her, um, coach her to do certain things. But in my opinion, she doesn't, and she lives here as well. She doesn't contribute with uh, with paying rent because she doesn't have a job and she can't do everything that I do. But the little things that she can do, she ought to do because she has a responsibility that life here works. And um, I, I, I really wholeheartedly like that. agree. And it's it's not that I mean her approach is a little 
different than yours, although the effect is the same. Her approach isn't, well, you wash my hands, so I give you something. It's like, no, we need this to work. And for her, if she doesn't like, if she doesn't put stuff in the dishwasher, then stuff sits. And if stuff sits, stuff stinks. And then her favorite plate won't be ready for breakfast. Her, right. her, uh, her favorite cup won't be there. Because she says it's not my responsibility. It's not my responsibility. You know how to do it. And if you don't do it, then you don't have it. Right. See, unfortunately, that's the problem that we have is because it doesn't really work because me and my wife are both kind of the same where we can't sleep if there's a mess. <laughs> so we'll be like, mm-hmm. you know, we'll get it done. However, there is, you know, OK, you want to sit on your phone all day and just be on your headphones? No, they're mine today and I'll take them to work with me. And. <laughs> there was a there was a great um a great bit that i think chris no was it chris no it's kevin hart he had about that he said when you take your kid's phone <laughs> they like turn into little to little crackheads like yes, oh, Dad, come on give me my phone. definitely do and it you know <laughs> and that's the thing um i think where is it i think it's definitely in america they've recognized um children's cell phone usage as an actual disease like a actual chemically dependent disease it's basically drugs and it's 100 and it's like no man it can't be then i go to my nine-year-old and i take her phone away and it's like oh shit you are worse you know what i mean it's like i just i'm trying to put you through withdrawal for heroin dude and Mm -hmm. it's that's not how it should be And I try to tell my kids, and like, this is the one thing I try to get my kids to understand. I have a beautiful yard here. We live in a very scenic area here in, like in, um, in middle Hessen, like in the area that I'm in, it's very, very beautiful. The landscape is amazing. We don't have this in Cleveland. You'll never see this Mm. shit ever, ever in Cleveland. And I tell them all the time, enjoy it. Uh, this year. It took uh, COVID-19, unfortunately, for us to actually start putting some uh, kilometers on our bicycles. We go out as a family at least once a week with all our bikes. I even got a trailer for the dog. And we go and we'll ride and we just see things. And it's like, I've lived here for over five years. I'm seeing shit I didn't even knew existed. And it's, it's amazing. It really is. And it's like, I try to tell my kids this all the time. It's like, okay, here you, you wake up, you do a little bit of school and you're on your phone. You're indoors all day. That's why here, you know, most of the people here in Germany have to take a vitamin D supplement as it is. Right. When the sun's shining, go outside, enjoy it, take advantage because guess what? It could rain for the next three weeks. Um, and that's how my childhood was. We woke up. We all met up, all the kids from the neighborhood. We were meeting up at like 8, 8.30 in the morning, and we started raising hell until, you know, the sun went down. And that's how it was every single day. Um, and that's just something, like, that's one thing that kind of saddens me is that my children will never understand that lifestyle. Right. But also... Um they they were never born into it, so it's really not their fault. They just don't know it. They even if they my oldest was take them, oh she was born in the states. Yep. Oh okay. Well, does she does she appreciate it a little more than your your nine year old? 
I think I struck a nerve. <laughs> um, great question, Harry. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. This is a kid. She's 13. She's She looks much older, and she's very mm-hmm. tall, and she gives no fucks. <laughs> this girl will look you dead in the eye and tell you the worst thing imaginable and not even, it won't even phase her. She don't care. <laughs> and it's just like, dude, you just kicked me pretty hard in the feels. She's like, stop being a pussy. And it's like, well, Whoa. cool. <laughs> that's what, that's how she is. And it's like, well, cool. <laughs> Yeah, okay, let me just go cry in my pillow. Right, exactly. <laughs> and that's and when like, I come back, you respect me as your father. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's it's kind of hard like with her you got to be very careful with the lines that you got to cross and maintain and it's I mean, it's like that with any kid. However, I I on I know for a fact 100% that we as parents and not just me and my wife with our kids, but you and your girlfriend with her kid and you know, Dave and his kids, um, we give in too easily. We don't make our kids oh. work or earn the things that they should, like they yeah. like they should. Um, and I know I'm because you know, there's times I get home, I had a very stressful day. I just wanna, I just wanna sit down and in a dark room and have nothing. And the mm-hmm. kids are, bah, 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 bah. it's like here, take your phone, go have fun. You know what I mean? So I contribute to that. Yeah. And I think that's really um, where where you need a little, you need to employ a little bit of self-parenting or self-coaching because um, I, I think it's absolutely okay to tell your kids, hey, just like really do something amongst yourselves. This right. is not – this isn't this isn't my time. You have toys. You have all kinds of stuff. Um, go outside. I mean, I know somebody, I know, um, I know a woman who like literally shushes her son out when the sun's out. Like, no, 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 no. You're not singing here. Go, 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 go away. Do something. I want the apartment to myself. Yeah. You know? So, and, and that's absolutely okay. Um, like many people, and I think you you might be on the way to falling down that rabbit hole. They only live for their families and they forget that they also are people with with needs with uh, with emotional cups that have to be filled, which brings me back to the creative aspect. You know, because how many times Beautiful. have you, how many how many times have you like really thought, okay, if I if I if I wouldn't have had these kids, I'd be writing now. I'd be writing a joke. I'd be going on stage. <laughs> I wouldn't be in Germany. <laughs> oh, maybe maybe even that. <laughs> But I think uh, the creativity thing is something that you can do for yourself. And that's exactly why I get up in the morning and I do that because I get the feeling that I get a leg up on my family that way because I already had my minute. I've already like I've babied myself. You know, I've, I've done this Damn. for me and nobody can take that away from me. To me, this like writing in the morning is like my little way of of like empowering myself over my family like okay you guys don't dictate my t- or you might try to dictate my time but these 45 minutes in the morning these are mine and you motherfuckers are not taking them and that really sets me straight and 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 puts my compass up on on true north like then then I can be then I can be harder you know because then I'm not I don't 
I don't approach a situation that's probably going to be stressful mm-hmm. without having filled my cups. See, because I have I have resources that I can that I can draw from. And to me, this is like very important. Even if I have an early shift, my earliest shift, I have to be at the airport at 540 a.m. Um, I set my alarm like early enough that I that I have the time to write because I know if I if I wouldn't take that time. I'd be like, I'd be stressful. I'd be stressed out. Um, I'd be like unchilled something. It's like, it's like, I didn't, it's like not allowing something to myself that I know that I desperately need. And that's time alone that because a family is a lot like, like, um, like a board meeting that never ends. Yes. You know, it's very, it's Um, physically and emotionally draining. It really is. I mean, I love my family. Don't get me wrong, but it's like, mm -hmm. At the same time, there's times it's like, fuck, I just, I need five minutes to myself where I just, I literally, I just need just birds chirping. That's it. I just want to hear the birds chirp. That's all I want. I don't want to hear the dog bark. I don't want to hear yelling and fighting, whatever. I just want to hear the birds. I've... I've done the same. I mean, it, it sounds like new agey, but I just just recently because um, my girlfriend and her daughter like kind of moved in with me and they've been here for for like ever since the COVID thing started. Um, my balcony used to used to look like shit, really. I just um, used it to stash my bikes and nobody would like steal it. Right. But, um, I tried like creating a little happy space for myself. Where I said, this is 100 percent drama free. I will not discuss with you over here i will not fight with you in here i won't like you can consider yourself lucky if i even talk to you if i'm out here now if you see me on the balcony and you try to fuck with me and you don't get a response then that's on you if i'm if i'm in the apartment then hey it's you know everything everything is everything belongs to everybody and of course you can you can talk to me and and whatever but if i'm out there and i want to do exactly that I want to listen to the birds chirping. Um, I want to do my writing sometimes. I want to listen to some music. Then just leave me the fuck alone. Yeah. Um, I need that so I can be there for you like 90% of the day. And if you have this big yard, this big garden and everything, just try to try to like make a happy space for you. And and you, sh- you should really try it. And to, and to just like really train your family to leave you alone. Yeah. And if... The rule of the day was that no cell phone. To, I, I don't know what kind of cell phone rules you have. Like uh, no cell phone from. Let's just. I'm just throwing stuff out there. Like from 9 a.m. to. Uh, I to have. 3 p.m. I have um, the beautiful. I only use Apple products. Uh, you know. Mm-hmm. iPads, MacBook Pros, iPhones. It's only Apple. Right. You can set screen time on everything. And I lock mm-hmm. that shit down. It just shuts off. Oh, you gotta awesome. you gotta add my screen time. Nope. You didn't plan nope. your time accordingly. Have fun. And exactly. that's what we do. And, and if that's a common rule that you guys have well, at least uh Mila and you agreed upon. Yes, we have agreed <laughs> upon. Yes. That is one thing that we have agreed upon. However, I think there's sometimes it's like, and I know I am just as bad as the kids. There's some days mm-hmm. it's like, I just, I need somebody to fucking take my phone away from me. You know what I mean? It's like, honey, mm-hmm. we should start setting screen times up for each other. <laughs> yeah. So like really what, what you, what I think you ought to do is to just like 
coach your family to leave you alone in that happy space. And if they want to, if they want to access their phones and it's not their time, then well, tough luck. This is, this is my, my five minutes, my 10 minutes, my however many minutes I want. Or if I feel it like in the, like if like some stuff builds up throughout the day and you feel like going somewhere else, just, just do it. Mm. And uh, regarding the, uh, uh, the, the screen time thing, that's also a very good, if you're, if you're like journaling, if you have like your notebook, because you can always scribble in your notebook and um, it's not screen time, it's not screen time, but it's also haptic. You're also writing, but, and you're communicating, but you're communicating with yourself. Yeah. Um, and, and you're communicating with your, with your artist self. It's like, it's like writing uh, a little, a little Facebook post or something. I, I use bullet journaling. I don't know if you know about that process. No, um, um, we're, I have a, there's an app that I use. Mm-hmm. I can't find it right now. Um, mm-hmm-hmm. Yeah, keep looking for it. I'll, I'll explain bullet journaling while you look for it. Yeah. Um, because it's like, I actually wanted to talk about that when I heard you guys and Mila talk about your mindfulness exercises um, and little bits of, like you guys called it meditation um, that you do. To me, it's um, like keeping train of my thoughts or, or keeping keeping my thoughts in focus is very meditative to me. And um, I like if I lose my cell phone, it's like, oh, well, too bad. But if I lose my notebook, I am I am crushed. Like I, I tell all my friends, if I if if ever I lose my notebook, my notebook is more important to me than my cell phone. Mm-hmm. Um, I scribble all kinds of stuff. I when I have an idea like, oh, I think I want to like redo my uh, my office or something. Then I start sketching it. I, I write stuff down. And yeah, nine times out of ten, I'll just disregard it. But just like doing doing something with my hands and and consuming a medium which is which is the book which is my own thoughts um i'm not on the phone i'm not dependent on somebody like feeding me input i'm producing it myself i'm also being creative and um if it's what i want to do um i can keep track of whatever project it is um that i have and like break it down into little manageable baby steps that I can do um, even with my, even with the family there. Um, like I can, like sometimes I can like um, work out certain things that I could delegate to my six-year-old stepdaughter, certain things that I can delegate to, um, to my girlfriend, um, certain things that I can't do now because I don't have the time, but I schedule it for next week. And then I just, I just go from there. And that bullet journaling, um, that, that whole bullet journaling process really improved my, my life by about 200% because I used to be very busy, but not really productive. And because I have, I have a hard time focusing on things. I have a hard time keeping, keeping atten- keeping my attention span up. Um, because if, because I do it professionally, you know, I have to be like very focused at work. Um, and if I'm at home, then my thoughts are like a fart in a skillet. It's like, um, <laughs> oh, well, let me, let me just think about that. Let me just think about that. Let me Google that. I go down rabbit holes so fast on YouTube and on Google. It's pathetic. But ever since I started bullet journaling, I still get the stuff done that I want to do. And sometimes I even like, I do it purposely. I say, okay, I'm just, I feel like going down this rabbit hole. So that's just what I'm going to do right now. And now I even have the space to do it to be able to do it and it really really made me happy you should try it that's awesome that's actually that's really good 
Um, you know, when I started off this podcast, I actually, you know, I said something that you have, um, you're handling a lot of different things. You do a lot of different things. Um, have you ever considered life coaching? Um, like, like coaching or, or taking coaching hours? No, like, um, life, you know, actual life coaching, um, like being a life coach or getting a life coach. No, being one, helping people, oh. you know, kind of helping people because you have a very interesting way of how you do things. It not only creates the um, the creative juices, I think, but it also helps you find your inner peace in your own oneself. Um, this is something that could help quite a bit of people. Um, I'm sorry, I, you you were gone for like. 30 seconds or something. I didn't hear what you said. Like, uh, the last really couple of sentences. Yeah. Yeah. It went completely, uh, completely dead. Weird. Um, what I was saying is, is it something that you, cause you have a very interesting way of doing things. Um, you know, your whole creative process, it not only gives you, it allows you to develop your brain and your whole creative, you know, your writing, but it also gives you a time to focus on you. And it's just for mm -hmm. you. This is something that nobody can take away from you. Um, but I think like something for that, you know, just writing even for a half hour or 45 minutes a day like you do, um, it forces somebody to focus on some inner things maybe. And maybe you right. can see things that you might not necessarily always see, but other people definitely do. But then that could also help somebody make changes and better themselves. Like it's very interesting, man. Well, hey, uh, appreciate it. Um, I've I've never considered it mainly because um, I've fucked up so many things in my life. Also, <laughs> that that brought me to this point um, where I said, okay, I have to I have to somehow get a grip on this because I'm wasting I'm wasting my own time. Wasting my time and wasting my creativity, and I'm not feeling I'm not feeling whole. Right. Um. I I get dependent on on uh, relationships. I get dependent on um like having other people around me, and I really didn't want that anymore. So that's that was really why I um why I was looking for for certain things, and it took me it took me about like honestly ten years to come across this um this whole bullet journaling thing um the creative creative process uh, there's a great book that i got this uh, longhand idea from it's called uh, the artist's way by julia cameron mm -hmm. um it is very spiritual and i don't know what your take on religion is but she is very religious if you just like if, if it's not your thing it's not my thing either um if you kind of just like sidestep um the god idea and just just consider creativity to be like the driving force of the universe you know mm -hmm. to just like have something that all of a sudden is there that wasn't there before you know that's creativity broken down yeah um and if you're like me and you believe that it's a scientific um a scientific process and not some all-seeing being that just uh, creates stuff um just on a whim then um yeah, it's it's uh it's it's really something that you could do. It's really it's a book that I highly recommend because it brings you in touch with um with certain things that you just don't do as an adult anymore. You know, you don't allow yourself to be childish. Um like really childish. 
um, like doing stuff that kids do. Um, yeah. Or, or just like like acting out your emotion, throwing tantrums. Why not throw a tantrum into a fucking notebook? Nobody's ever going to read it. You know? Right. No, that makes um, a lot of sense. It and, really does. And it's like it's, it's it's like an emotional decompression to me. Nice. Like I can I can I can kill people in that notebook. Um, and I've literally done it. <laughs> um, and and nobody's nobody's ever going to try me for it. But in those in those forty five minutes, it feels like the best thing in the world. And then after that, it's like okay, fuck it. Like let's move on with life. Nice. Well. Harry, that's actually pretty inspiring. Um, I like your outtake on, uh, like your take on things, um, you know, from the creative process and everything down to it and how you take it down to a deeper level. You know what I mean? I like how it not only helps you refine your creativity, your comedy, but in the end yourself. And I think that's, um, that's pretty special, man. That's really cool how you do that. Um, appreciate it, man. Cool. Uh, We usually try to keep the podcast around 45 to an hour. We're at 117. (laughs) (laughs) But that's awesome. That's what happens when you get some interesting stuff going. Um, That's what I was talking about. The failure, man. Embrace the failure. (laughs) I want to thank you so much for coming on tonight and, um, you know, doing this podcast with me, man. It was kind of cool to do it one-on-one. I appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Appreciate you having me. Now, um, you why don't you uh why don't you uh da, 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 pimp your pot out? Ha. Huh. Okay, it's called Ball Time. It's on Facebook and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Um, I will launch the episode that the three of us, you, Dave, and I, did together tonight. I wanted to do it last week, but last week was my birthday and I took the week off. Nice. Um, Happy belated birthday. I've, Thank you. Um, yeah, because that, that, was, that, was the next, that was the next thing that I figured. I'm like, okay, these, this week is just going to be about me and about things that I want to do. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I was going to put that out tonight. And, yeah, check it out. I will definitely link you guys on it. I'll, I'll do the Instagram and the Facebook thing. And, uh, yeah, check it out. I'm, I'm going to put out some more English episodes for you English and American listeners out there or people that want to hear uh, stuff in English. I can also recommend um, the SUP Comedy, S-U-P Comedy. They're based in Frankfurt. Um, there's a handful of Americans, but there's, like, um, an Indian guy, a Finnish guy. It's comedy in English language. They have different uh, different show concepts, open mics, um Thanks to the COVID, they started. They've started Zoom shows, which are just now developing. So, if you really want to be like a part of a process, they want to develop an online game show, for example. Um, like, really check that out. Also, I would also highly recommend you and Dave um, popping up on their podcasts because I, I think you guys would be great assets. And maybe you even, um, oh like maybe you'll God. even find what just happened. <laughs> They're closing blinds right next to me here. <laughs> Welcome Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, but really, uh, you guys should go on their podcasts also. Um, I'm a guest on theirs. I'll be on on um, one tomorrow. Actually, it's called Inglorious Immigrants. Cool. Um, yeah, it's it's by it's run by Kurt Ear. He's like the head of the Frankfurt English comedy scene, and he's he's awesome, man. I'll, I'll link you up with him. He's one of my very close friends. Definitely and- sounds interesting. Yeah, yeah, and he's he's definitely one of the people that are that have been very inspiring um to me in very fucked up times. <laughs> <laughs> cool. 
Well, those kind of people are important. Harry, yeah. thank you so much for coming on. Everybody, all our listeners out there, please, 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 please look Harry up. Look up sub comedy. Enjoy it. We have um, quite a few German listeners. I know we have a lot of people that, you know, they know me and Dave, especially Dave from the German, from the American football teams over here. Um, so some of those listeners, you guys give Harry a listen. Great guy. Funny. Knows his shit. Harry, thank you so Thanks, much for buddy. being appreciate on tonight. It. I appreciate it. And I'm going to close this out here. Okay. Why don't you stay on? All righty. All right. Cool. Guys. Thanks for listening. Also, I just want to let you know, literally, before we started recording this podcast, I got us set up. We are going to be available on iHeartRadio as well. Is um, So now you can find us on iHeartRadio, iTunes, um, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere podcasts are available, you can find us. Like us, share us, let us know what we need to do. Bye.